Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. What is up? Welcome to episode 242. Thanks so much for listening. It means so much to me. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. I'm truly grateful for your support. Thank you. Master your mindset in two weeks by joining my first cohort-based course. Increase your happiness by unlocking a growth mindset. Remove self-limitations and self-limiting beliefs. Move beyond what is holding you back by learning to change what you think, believe, and feel. Cohort-based courses offer students an opportunity to work alongside their peers, engage in active learning through hands-on projects, and a more interactive and immersive experience. Start investing in your most valuable asset your mind and join 143 other students that have already pre-enrolled. Click the link in the show notes to join my first cohort-based course today. There are limited seats in this cohort, so I recommend joining soon. Enrollments close September 25th. Today we have another special guest that joins the pod, Sophie McLean. To describe Sophie's life as eventful would be a serious understatement. She's been a helicopter pilot, a teacher, a designer, a relief worker, a war refugee, a CEO, and a UN representative. She's been shot at, shipwrecked, and widowed. As a wisdom teacher, Sophie has spent decades leading transformational seminars to over 80,000 people globally, examining the human network of ideas, beliefs, consciousness, and ego. Her interest sits in the nature of what it means to be human. Sophie's book, The Elegance of Simplicity, A Wisdom Teacher's Epic Journey to Awareness, is compelling, thought-provoking, one that communicates life-altering concepts, proposing an effortless pathway to awareness. It's a deeply authentic and dramatic story of self-discovery, about what is possible when you take responsibility, when you own your power and become one with life. Sophie and I discuss hope and how we leverage this fuel, the moments of truth and what these pivotal moments mean to our lives, experiencing the whole of life, attaching narratives to the facts, why suffering is optional, the power of choice, and finally, trusting yourself and searching for alignment. I hope you all enjoy our conversation. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating 
today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. One thing, and this is why I thought it was so timely that I got the introduction to you, Sophie, was this epiphany or this thing that I've come across. And there's this one thing that all human beings have, irrelevant of the adversity, where you are, who you are, and it's the power of choice, how we choose to view the world, our mindset, our perspective, our ability to love, our decisions the type of empathy that we lean into. And so I've been on this journey of really helping others understand this. So I thought it was so timely that the two of us got connected. Great. Well, Scott, first, I identify with uh, everything you're saying. I had quite a lot of tragedy myself that I had to deal with. And I did confront the choice, this space you're speaking about, right? Which way am I going to go? Am I going to be a bitter, resentful, angry, frightened person, or am I going to elevate? So I I did. And for you, what was that moment that you said, here's the decision tree. It's either this dark path I go down, or it's this hope path. Because, you know, I just dropped a, a recent episode, and one of the points I brought up in there is, again, irrelevant of the situation that we're in. There's one thing that can always blossom from a seed to life and potential. And that's this thing around hope, right? That we ultimately don't need to believe that we can do it or know exactly how we can do it, but there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that breeds energy and fuel for us to keep going as human beings. So for you, you know, what were some of those pivotal moments? Because your your background is, is impressive. Helicopter pilot, war refugee, a teacher, a CEO, a UN representative. I mean, you have quite the painting in your life. So I'd love to understand, take us through some of those pieces that has allowed you to really build your castle of wisdom and, and share that with the world. All right. So I had two turning points. Obviously, I have more, right? I call them the moment of truth, but two that I will never ever forget and I am left with so much gratitude for them right so the first one was when I was 12 year old so I was brought up in Casablanca Morocco and yes it is as exotic as it sounds and I was in the garden watching my family getting ready to sit down for dinner and Scott I don't know what happened I had an epiphany a message why where did it come from I have no idea right but I had downloads The first download was, "Uh uh-oh, you are being brought up in a cocoon. This is not a reflection of life. So that was the first clear download. Second one, you have to go and experience the whole of life because you're not going to experience everything from the most profound despair to joy. 
there is all of it you experience. And then the third one was, and then you will discover it's all an illusion. And then the fourth uh, thing was a kind of command. And then you have to tell people about it. So I ran to my parents and <laughs> he said, you know, 12 years old, right? I, I understand everything. We live in a cocoon. It's an illusion. Okay. <laughs> I got my nickname, the crazy one. With love, but I to this day, I'm 60 year old. I'm known as the crazy one. But I never forgot that moment, right? It was a very special moment. And funny enough, I didn't try to understand it or make sense of it. I, I just got a gift. That's how it was. And then life happened to me from the age of 16 to 28. It was one tragedy after the next rape and loss of a child and loss of my husband and like that. So then I knew despair, right? So there I am, 28, for two or three years in total despair, like just really alive but dead. And, you know, the space is, uh, everything is gray. I was angry at everybody for being alive and not my husband. <laughs> I had absolutely no interest in being alive or doing anything on earth. I, I didn't have any inkling to kill myself either. It's not in my DNA, I suppose, but I, I wouldn't do that to the people that love me, right? So I was like a vegetable. And then I met this man this uh, in Los Angeles, funny enough, and... Uh, he altered my life forever. So I was very angry, very angry person. You could hardly talk to me. I would bark back, you know, like I had so much pain. And this man keeps saying to me, but what happened? So I barked back. Well, my husband died five days after I got married on honeymoon. He said, oh, that's what happened. And I'm looking at him going, well, that's what I said. Yes, it is what happened, right? I was really getting annoyed. And he said, and what did you make it mean? I said, what do you mean? What did I make it mean? He said, yeah, what did you make it mean? What interpretation, what story, what narrative did you attach to the facts? And I said, I didn't. I just got the truth. I'm doomed. And he looked at me and said, who told you? I said, well, it's obvious. He said, no, the only person that say you are doomed is you. And there was my second epiphany. I realized that the source of my entire suffering was believing my story, my narrative about what was actually happening. And I could, at that moment, I mean, a weight fell off my shoulder I could look at what happened with pain and grief and sadness, but no suffering whatsoever. Suffering disappeared from my life altogether. I was 32 and I, I said to myself, all right, this is too good to be true. This is, the, everybody needs to know that suffering is optional. 
not I'm not talking about pain or hurt or what, but suffering. The you know we're the only species in the entire universe that suffer. The Earth doesn't suffer from the earthquake. The crocodile going down the river doesn't say, "Well, I wish I had lost some weight," or the giraffe doesn't say, "My neck is too long." We are the only one suffering. Why? Because we have the power of language, which is to make up stories, but the moment you believe those stories, you will be stuck in suffering. So that was my uh, moment of truth. I went back to study for four years and led to 100,000 people worldwide trying to tell them suffering is optional. <laughs> and I hope some people could hear it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is perfect. This is beautiful because is very aligned with the message that I try to bring to this audience in this podcast. And I'd love to understand, aside from from language, so you turn on the news, the news actually never goes on in our house and never goes on that black box on the wall ever. But why are we so fixated and attached to negativity and suffering and darkness and all of these other things, whether it be a movie that draws us in because of these stories, whether it be the news or whether to the to the story that you had just told us, and thank you for sharing that, trauma that we've lived through in our life, why do we shift that message, that internal conversation with ourselves to this is going to be the rest of my life? I mean, I can't tell you how much I love your question. This is like, it's a gift you just gave me. I get to express my most profound revelation. So when we are born, Scott, right, I, I'm specializing, my speciality in philosophy is called ontology. It's the art and science of being, what it is to be a human being. So when a baby is born, if you put 10 babies, one next to the other, they're each different because they each have a different essence, like a, a perfume, they, they all different, but there is no character. You never looked at the baby saying, oh, a little perfectionist, oh, a little one with a sense of humor, right? There is no character. There is no identity. It comes later. And it comes at about the age of between one and two. And at the age of one and two, and I'll, I won't give you all the details, but something happens. And as I said, I led to a lot of people and every single one of my students is the same. So I'm assuming it's a design of human being, right? And at that moment, you encounter the limits of what you know. Like you, you step into the unknown and that gives rise to fear and you feel danger for the first time in your life. And you know how we are in face of danger, right? We either attack, run away, or freeze in shock, and it's not going to turn out well. So the moment you experience life as dangerous for the first time in your life, you're going to shift into survival. So you survive a danger, right? You don't survive a butterfly. A butterfly, there is no danger. You can look at the color of the wing, the movement. It's marvelous. You're present. You're in the moment. Oh, so marvelous. But if I remove the butterfly and put a rhinoceros, you're going to go survival mode. Now, imagine every single human being, or nearly every single one, is in survival mode, not even knowing what they survive. We survive an illusion, huh? But we're still in survival mode. So from that very young age, 
you master survival, meaning you give a good image of yourself or you avoid giving a bad one, you're inauthentic, you hide what you think are your flaw, you need two glasses of wine to be able to speak at a social event, you terrified of speaking in public, you get hurt, you attack. It's all, whichever way we choose to survive, we master it. Some people work really hard. Some people have a great sense of humor. Some other are really nice or caring, right? We each have our character. So that is what we call the ego. This survival mechanism is called the ego. So the ego is this kind of, I like to think of it as an entity because we really have created this character that is not us. And the point of this character is to survive. If there is nothing to survive, it's terrible for the ego. Your entire mastery is pointless, right? So why do we like the bad news, the horror movies, the gossip about each other? Well, because that's the food of the ego. The worst it gets, the more the character you have created will kick into being real. So there is this sick attraction for survival. So, it, and it is that simple. I tell people, I said, oh, you can, it's very simple. It's not easy, but you can shift from survival to being alive. And they look at me and they say, oh, no, 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 it's not possible. Uh, and, and I don't survive anyway, right? It's too simple. What you're saying is too simple. Yeah. There is an elegance to the simplicity of it all. You know, so we complicate it when we survive. So that's, that's my experience of why there is this pathological, it's not pathological actually, it's, it's just existential need to survive. Yeah, baked in our DNA, our beings as, as humans. So how then do we start to untwine the fabric of this ego to pull away from a world of feeding this thing that then becomes a compounded effect as we, you know, age through life and spin around the sun. So there is two uh, simple access, right? So it's always easier, Scott, to get with somebody that had an experience of shifting from surviving to being alive because they can open a door for you. But if you're by yourself, you can start by mastering awareness, right? So awareness, there is this whole romantic thing about awareness, but everybody knows what awareness is. We teach our children to cross the road. When you teach your child, you say, okay, stop, look right, look left, and then make a choice. Okay, you're teaching your children awareness. Okay, you need to do that in your life. Until being aware becomes a habit. Literally, I mean, you know, I can go to a dinner party and notice many, many things that other people will not notice. The tone of voice, the energy, the accent on a word, a facial thing, because I'm very aware. So I get to listen and read people at a different level than other people that have not practiced awareness. Okay? So that's the first thing. Once you have the intention to master awareness and turn awareness into a habit, and there is a lot of books on the brain right now, so you know you can actually train your brain to form a new habit, 
you need to question yourself. And uh, I take this question from Byron Katie, which I like very much. So is that true, right? So every time you have a thought or every time you feel agitated, uh, not peaceful, right? Not yourself, like we say a line, like uh, everything is in the perfect time, perfect order. You stop, look at the thought you're having, and ask yourself, am I believing that thought? Because if thought happened to you, you're not having them. You're not thinking. You're not thoughting. You're having thoughts. So if you believe one of those, <laughs> then you'll go into the illusion. You will go straight into the illusion. So just keep questioning, is it true? Do I believe that thought? And the last thing I would say, Scott, which is very important, is that Human beings are designed to be well and happy. How do I know that? Is that when you are, for example, in love or you got to the dream job or you just so well, right? You sleep well, you eat well, you don't need to smoke or drink. You don't, you, everything works. Your hormone level are good. You don't get sick. Everything is great, right? Now, if you're stressed, and if you're anxious, oh, well, that's it. You can even go all the way to making yourself sick, right? Your hormones go crazy. You don't sleep at night. You overeat, you overdrink, and your body doesn't work. So your body works when you're well and happy. Your body does not function well when you're stressed and anxious. It's logical to say, all right, we are designed to be happy and well and peaceful. So any time you know that, I promise you, you're believing one of your thoughts. You're believing a story. It's it's interesting because I I think that so there, there's a couple of things that come to mind when when you just ran through this is that stillness is the key, which is a remarkable book by the way. And as humans, we have a tendency, especially at the beginning of this before we recorded, I was telling you how much I love technology, but that has its boundaries for me that I've set up to ensure that I am not grasping at these dopamine hits and actually listening and being self-aware and understanding what is it that my body needs right now? Because it's isn't it remarkable how well put together and engineered our bodies and minds are? To your point as to you don't get sleep, you get sick, well, all of these things that start like this domino effect, that's telling our bodies something. And this is why I harp on this piece around all of these band-aids that we have a habit of throwing on our lives and not truly what I call IDSing, and I didn't make this up, identifying, discovering, and solving with ourselves what it is truly that our bodies and our minds and our heart needs in those moments. And it's almost been a little over the year, uh, a year, I haven't touched a, a drip of alcohol for those reasons, because I really wanted to go to a place of, can I do these things on my own? Am I using this as a form of escapism to the point where I have limits on my social media usage every single day? Because I want to ensure that I'm giving myself that space to understand what is it that I truly need in the moment. And then whatever that registers, that sentence that pops up, that kind of, you know, rolls around on the inside of my eyelids, is that statement really true? And if I give myself then the boundaries and the space to dive into that initial thought or need, 
I can then dissect it and understand, okay, this is real or this is just a fear or this is a concern or this is me doubting myself or not giving myself grace. I can start to dissect all of those things. But we live in this world that we're so overstimulated with things moving around and movement and activity and the news and all the things we've been talking about that it starts to draw you away from actually the core and the center of that stillness and spending time with yourself to truly understand what is it that you need in this moment? And my girlfriend and I have talked about this on the podcast. We go through this exercise together where she might have a really stressful day or something challenging that she experienced. And before we go into the conversation, I ask her this one question. Who do you need me to be in this moment? Is it someone that you want to bounce or just, you know, you kind of want to let the hose go, you know, and you just want to express a frustration in what you've dealt with? Or are you about to explain and share some of these things that you experienced today because you want some advice? And I used to have a bad habit of that. So I've really untwined and dissected, you know, over the last three or four years, really what is it that I need in the moment? And Am I using something as a crutch to get through those things? Because, and I'm not saying all these things are bad, but people watching the news, gambling, substance abuse, all of these things, it's no wonder at the end of the day that your body is so stressed out and you're having this this challenge of getting to a place to understand what your needs really are. Yeah, the way I I look at it also, Scott, right? Everything you said is perfectly uh, correct, but... Everybody, in my experience, everybody has their own journey. So when I meet a heroin addict or a homeless person or somebody that just experienced the most profound grief or a divorce or something, or somebody that makes mistakes, lies, cheats, I have mostly an enormous amount of compassion, no judgment whatsoever. And I actually experience the perfection of their experience is that is what needs to happen for them. Why? Because it is happening. And I used to dislike suffering so much. I wanted to fix the entire suffering of the world until I realized, but I learned through suffering. I I actually elevated myself because I was in this story that I believed. And and it's only by reaching the depths of despair that I kicked the bottom of the well and, and just went back to breathe, right? So let people go on journey. Make yourself available, right? Like you do, Scott, with your podcast. It's marvelous. Whoever wants to listen to your podcast, it's available, But you can't go and turn on the the sound for them. They need to do that. Wherever they are in their journey is perfect. It's difficult sometimes, especially with what's happening in the world right now. But you can take a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. And in these moments of of turbulence and suffering, I, I love the analogy that you used hitting the bottom of the well and kind of pushing yourself back up because the, the journey down can, as you go deeper and deeper into water, the light starts crowding out. But then once your feet hit the bottom and you push yourself up, the journey back up is really exhilarating and eye-opening. And you're so spot on. And I, I've said this to people that have reached out to me that you know they thank me and it's extremely kind and I appreciate it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, it's, it's all you, 
you know, I can say whatever you may want to hear in the moment, but it's how you digest it and then what action you're willing to take on it in your life to make the change. So ultimately, the power resides in you, not a book, not a podcast, not going to the gym, not all of these other things. It's the action you take after learning the lessons that really unlocks the power and opens up your eyes to say, oh my God, I'm actually capable of these things. I'm able to have these things rather than living in this world of suffering that we're talking about in darkness you start to understand how big the world is. And I think that's the most exciting piece, especially that I went through in my journey was this opening of, wow, this is actually life. This is actually living. All of a sudden your peripheral goes from, you know, a few degrees wide to it starts to open way up and you're just almost in a good way overstimulated by the amount of opportunity and experiences and and places and people that you can meet that every day you get out of bed, you're excited that your feet hit the floor because of that opening. Yeah. And Scott, do you find that you actually have, I mean, I'm going to sound a bit esoteric, but I don't know how to put it into words better. It's as if love is a fabric of the universe, right? That operate in the space of love. It's the air I breathe, the water I swim in. It's not an emotion or a feeling. It is like suddenly the perfection of it all is right there. And there is this nurturing and tenderness. Do you find that? Yes, I engage in gratitude thoughts every single morning after I get ready for the day. And I find that this is so empowering because it continues to enforce not what I have, but maybe who I'm surrounded by, the opportunities that I've been given, the fact that I went through adversity like all of us go through to some varying extent. All of those things continue to just reinforce that love and that opportunity that I have. And I think at the end of the day, you know, if you were to ask me, what's the one thing that all human beings across the world truly want at the core of it. And I talk about this a fair bit on the podcast. I think it's really happiness, a mixture of happiness, love, and probably joy sprinkled into this, this one pot. Those are the three real ingredients that I think fuels and propels us as humans to do what we do and to find really center alignment and joy and happiness and love in our life to continue to to propel us forward. Yeah, I would even take it one step further, Scott, is that everybody wants happiness and joy, right? Let's call happiness as a human joy as aligned with the spiritual and your soul, right? Mm -hmm. But the access to get that is to be located in the space of love. And, you know, that for me is a possibility of world peace. Because when you love, you are in the space of love and you experience this extraordinary joy, I, I can't imagine that anyone experiencing joy and therefore gratitude would even consider killing somebody. Do you understand? You, you cannot have violence and be in gratitude and joy. So for me, the, the whole possibility of nonviolence and world peace is truly through love. Mm. Would you say this is is really your mission that you're setting out to have everybody understand this message. Like if you were to put your mission into into one sentence, how would you capture that? 
I would say, I would uh, take it from David Hawkins. I love the word he used. It's a shift from Homo sapiens, which is a reign of the ego and survival, to Homo spiritus, which is still the five senses, but connected to the spiritual, not to survival, right? So it's being a human, obviously, with our five senses and this beautiful experience of being alive, but with a connection to the spiritual that gives you access to intuition, authentic power, guidance, this peace we're talking about, and definitely this love. So I contribute to that, Scott. I have attempted a few times, I think twice, to stop working because I've been working a lot and I get so miserable. It's like I can't breathe. My soul is saying, no, no, no. What are you doing? Just go back and talk to people. So I keep doing it. <laughs> I, I, whoever wants to listen, I'll give them the design of what it is to be human because I'm very pragmatic. I It altered my life forever to actually understand why I was doing what I was doing, you know, why I was thinking what I was thinking. And so I'm whoever is interested, I'm here. That's amazing. So you have a book out right now, right? I, I do. I'm writing now my second book, but I have a first one out, which is all about the ego I, as a storyteller would say it. So it's easy to read. It's in French and English on Amazon. It's called The Elegance of Simplicity. I love the love the title. And I know you mentioned this earlier, but there is so much beauty in life and irony in the actual simplicity of it. We have a tendency, right, to overcomplicate things. And then we go into this analysis paralysis before we're able to take action. This second book, when is this slated to to be released? And, and how's the, the journey in going through this now a second time? I uh, removed myself from New York. I am on a very small island in the middle of the Mediterranean. As I'm talking to you, I have the view of the sea. I'm in a very small apartment. And it's about existential immaturity. So it sounds grand, right? It's uh, me indulging into being a philosopher. But it's just that I just want people to know they can have conversation like you and I just had. You know, I, I just want people, for example, to understand, all right, there is a feminine energy and there is a masculine energy. It's got nothing to do with gender. Everything in life has masculine and feminine. Here is the essence of those two energy and the merging of them both will give you access to elevation, right? These kind of conversations of every single topic of everyday life as a human being so people can engage in thinking with awareness. That's the second book. That's remarkable because I do think, and I'm very excited to see it, that mental health and these conversations are starting to become a larger piece of society, which is remarkable because it has been non-existent for many, many, many years at scale, at least I should say. At scale, and this yes, is the, yes. And this is the piece that I love about technology. Anything can be used for good or bad, but this creates a podium, a mechanism um, to get this out to the masses, whether it be an audiobook, whether it be a written book or whether it be a, a podcast or, you know, video or YouTube. And 
I, I think that's I think that's wonderful. And did you move because you wanted to get out of that New York craziness and and just like go go go? And you know, you said you were kind of going, you know, just felt overwhelmed and overworked. And now having this view, because I've found when I write for the podcast, I normally do. It ranges anywhere from eight to nine, 10 pages of content for 20, 25 minutes. And I push out a weekly newsletter. I try to ensure that I'm by a window looking at nature. This is so much more fueling. And I know there's actually science between light and actually waking us up and providing energy. For you, has this just completely changed your writing and your your ability to think and and move through these thoughts as you're publishing this the second book? So what happened is, you know, I... I... I was in New York during COVID and the confinement, right? And it, it was intense to see New York empty, right? So obviously, but of course, uh, you know, we sat on the steps in front of our building to chat with foreigners and there was a kind of communities and it was empty, no noise and all that. And as the confinement lifted, I... You know, I, I worked a lot during confinement, thank you to internet, and and I thought, okay, there is going to be an awakening. Like people are going to get their priority right. But little by little, people came back and New York became worse than before. It was like there was a frenzy to have more shops, to buy more, to go faster, to have more noise. And suddenly it got too much. I moved in two weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I'm a bit intense like that. But I get, you know, this... Um, Homo spiritus we're talking about, you get guided. Everything fell into place. I found a renter for my apartment. I boom, 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 and I landed up in Minoka. Go and figure. I had no intention whatsoever, but I, the only thing I wanted was to be on the sea. So I don't even have the experience of definitely not deciding. I make a difference between decision and choice. Deciding is when the circumstances of life makes a selection, but choice is more this guidance, this intuition I'm talking about. It's easy. There is an ease and grace and you co-creating with the universe. That's how my move was. Then I know it's fine. Everything is perfect when there is ease and grace. If it starts to get hard and I have to try really hard or I stop everything, I'm saying, no. I'm not aligned. Yeah, it's this, this North Star, as I, I like to say in my life, like where's the North Star pointing? Because inevitably the gravitational pull from just that is enough to just ease me through rather than me forcing myself through. And, you know, my mother always said something all the time. She goes, you know, always go with your gut. And it's just something that I've always reminded myself of because instinctively we have this internal compass that we've gone away from. And so I just always, her, her voice is just always in the back of my head, like, just what does your gut say right now, though? Oh, it's so great, Scott. It's, I wish people knew what you know. It's just trust yourself. You know somewhere, you know what you need. Trust yourself. Trust to listen. Listen to this alignment. Search for it. Wait until you experience it, and it will all turn out. Mm -hmm. It always does, anyway. <laughs> it it uh, it always does. I love when I talk to people, and in when I when I ask, you know, what's what is the challenge you face right now, or what are what's the objective? What are you trying to get through? Or where are you trying to go? In the 
explanation of the individual giving what they're experiencing, the answer is baked right in there. And it's always take a step back and I think you know actually what you want. You just said it. I don't think you heard yourself say it, but that must mean that deep down inside there's an echo chamber of those needs floating out through your mouth. So I think you actually, you don't need me for this conversation. You you actually know what it is that you want. And I think it's special when you can unlock that and continue to to lean into that as a human being. And I think, you know, we're we're continually working as a species to to get to that place. I, I think, Scott, looking at, you know, I did my thesis on Homer, the Iliad and Lodice, and he speaks about human being, and, I, and that's 8th century before Christ, right? And human beings have not progressed ever since. We have progressed on every front except what it is to be a human being. And we have so much technology, so much progress, but in the hand of a sleepwalker, it's dangerous. We see it with Ukraine, right? It's Mm -hmm. horrible what's happening. I mean, not horrible like I'm resisting what is, but it's heartbreaking. But that is a sleepwalker at the helm of a big country, right? So... It's time to wake up. It really is time to wake up. I'm not somebody that says you must or I'm not going to force anyone. I'm not at all that way. And there is an urgency. So if people keep denying it and sleepwalking, I don't know where we're going. But for me, it's perfect anyway, right? It it will all turn out. I mean, I'm not worried about anything, but it would be fun to wake up globally it would be fun to be alive for the styles wouldn't it thanks for listening to the motivated mind with your host scott lynch i hope you enjoyed our deep dive into how to win the game of being human with sophie mclean if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the motivated underscore mind and on Facebook at the motivated mind podcast. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a legacy division.